Okay, welcome back, Inebriates. This is Andy of the Inebriate Podcast, obviously. It's, where else would you expect to find me? <laughs> um, and today I'm joined by uh, yet another musician. I'm excited about this one. Uh, Annabelle Guthers. Did I do okay? You, Andy, you nailed it. Nice. Nice. I think that's like two <laughs> in a row. Round of applause because it's, it's tricky. Yeah. It's tricky so are you rocking a Santa hat? Or No, you know what? I, or is it just like a... Santa. Okay. It's just it's just your classic like cream beanie. I'm all about the beanies this time of the year. Actually, all times of the year. I love hats. Yeah, I'm definitely a, I'm like more of a baseball hat kind of guy. But uh, totally. You know yeah. what? We don't we don't discriminate. We don't discriminate. Baseball hats, beanies, any kind of hat we support. So I was kind of checking out your website earlier today, and I was I gotta say kudos, man. I was pretty impressed. So you put out a song and the proceeds went to like education, educational charities. Is that that? Yes, that that was sort of my foray into, I guess, like writing and recording music. Um, I had already been writing sort of my own material, but I, I didn't really plan to release anything. And then. This was years ago. It was after um, the Stoneman Douglas shooting. And I just felt like as a society, there were so many marches and so many movements. And I really felt that we were on the precipice of change. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wanted to be a part of that change, um, that positive social change. And I wanted it to be in a measurable way, but in a way that also felt authentic to me and in a way that I felt like, oh, I'm contributing and I'm making a difference. And so I wrote this song called Legends. And um, I decided to donate a portion of the proceeds to education-based charities across Canada because I feel education is sort of at the foundation of mm-hmm. any growing and thriving society. And it's, you know, what pushes us forward as a global community and it reduces ignorance and it breeds acceptance and love and all the good stuff. And so that is that was sort of my intent in doing that. But yes, thank you so much. No problem. I, I really I really dig that because I always... You know, everyone's got their their pet peeve or their, or their movement or their and I'm like, you know, the, it all boils down to education. You know, if people were better educated, there'd be it's would be differences opinions, but we'd even just be better at discussing them and, and you know, coming up with solutions. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So you you had that song and I'm assuming it was quite successful. And then you decided to do an album and and Yes, this is so at the time I didn't um, I didn't have a producer. I really I it was really like everything was so new to me and I knew I wanted to, you know, do it professionally. I wanted the song to be as um, sonically cohesive as it could have been. And so I didn't know how to produce. And I was looking at different studios in Montreal, Canada, which is mm-hmm. where I'm from. And I came across um, Studio Piccolo. And there I met Dominique Messier, who happens to work closely with um, Celine Dion. He is the most brilliant musician, producer, human being um, I think I've ever met. And I played for him. I put together sort of a very, very rough scratch demo. And I played it for him. And he's like, I think I I explained to him sort of what I heard in my head. Um, I probably wasn't that articulate, but he's like, "I, I think I know where you want to take this. And he put together this extraordinary demo. And so he produced um, Legends as a project. Mm -hmm. And then it it happened so organically where he's like, you know, what other 
what what else do you have going on in terms of music? I said, well, I write some of my own material, but I, you know, I don't know what my intention is in if moving forward, if it's going to be to produce them or to release an album. He's like, let me hear it. Let me hear it. And so I, I sort of played for him a few of my songs and he's like, now we got to move forward. And at that time, I think I had just decided to sort of pursue um, music professionally. Yeah, I was applying to university programs and I was between uh, music at Berklee College of Music in Boston. Uh, I've heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> nice and um cognitive science and pre-law and so I, I really wasn't sure and my mom was like well what's what's going to make you the happiest and I said pretty you know emphatically I was like music and she's like then that's what you got to do and so that's what I did and I enrolled at Berkeley College of Music and I started to work with Dominique on these songs and eventually you know one song two songs became five became ten and eventually became all 11 songs of Loose Ends, my debut album. That's awesome. Well, I got to ask you a very important question. If you grew up in I'm, Montreal and you're in school in Boston, you're a Boston Bruins fan, right? Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> well, 100% never. I think Boston, Bru the Boston Bruins could be my least favorite team of all time. Yeah. Next, of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay. I wonder um, why that is. Like. <laughs> Uh, with a burning passion I you know I used to watch hockey more and then as I sort of got older I wasn't able to watch as much just you know time my schedule homework course, yeah. life sort of got in the way but when I watched I got so emotional watching these games I honestly don't even think like in hindsight I'm like probably really wasn't healthy for me I was <laughs> it's like the angriest I've ever been is watching watching the Habs play the Bruins or the Maple Leafs always because the stakes just feel so high. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for, for me personally, it's, you know, for some reason, I have an utter hatred of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Totally fair. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, it's totally fair. I don't think I like any other team. <laughs> it's the Habs, Habs it's, it's the Habs are nothing for me. But yeah. There's just a very special place in my heart in terms of like hatred no hatred's a strong word but a very passionate dislike of the toronto maple leafs and the boston bruins but again totally fair with the pittsburgh penguins but that, to me that's the fun part of having a team is you have those you know it doesn't matter who's on the team now but like you remember like i'll never like vancouver after the bruins played them in the stanley cup finals because there was so there was such great like drama in it and like so now I just hate them. And it doesn't matter who's on the team. I just hate that team. I I hear I could I honestly I don't even know who's on the Bruins anymore. <laughs> I, used to, I used to hate like specific players. I'd be like, oh my God. And this is no offense to them. I they could be really nice people, but on the ice, you know, it's a different it's a different story. But of like you know, Tara, Luchik, all of those guys. Marshawn. They oh, they brought out they brought out the worst in me. Yeah. Truly. <laughs> Um, so I don't, I, and I honestly, I don't even know where they are today, but either way, Boston tainted, totally, <laughs> totally tainted. <laughs> but do you find that there are other good parts of being in Boston? It got a great music scene. Well, this is actually the part that I also have to clarify uh, because I was working with Dominique here in Montreal. I actually earned my bachelor degree online. <gasps> I 
know. Blasphemy. <laughs> I know I, after all that, but I will say it's an amazing city. I visited from time to time. It's, I mean, amazing music scene. And it's just, it feels like, I don't know why, but a bit of like the American version of Montreal. Because it's super cold and we love hockey. You know what? And donuts. I mean, you can, but you're right. You're right. The donuts, especially. (laughs) So, uh, so you earned your degree online. Is there a really strong music scene in Montreal? I've, I've, you know, been up to Montreal here and there, but not any real amount of time. I think we definitely have a strong music scene. You know, I really started putting out the majority of my catalog during COVID. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of hard for me to gauge because I haven't been able to perform um, live a lot, but I, we definitely have big music fans here. And I would, I would venture to say that the music scene is, is similar yeah. in, in scope to the fandoms. So when you're writing your music, do you start with lyrics or do you kind of, strum away on the guitar and come up with a a riff or like what what is your process in the, in, in the writing? You're asking the great questions, Andy. I would say they come to me a little simultaneously melody with lyric. Mm -hmm. um, And then I try and flesh that out, you know, with a guitar or on keys. Um, But I usually start with a lyrical and melodic idea that come into my head simultaneously. And usually I feel like it's, it's, in the chorus realm it's usually part of the chorus and then from there i'll build outwards i'll then i'll go to the bridge and then the pre-chorus and um you know just follow the song form but it it definitely depends also i'm also earning now my master's of um songwriting at berkeley online as well and so now i feel like my process is changing a little bit because Mm -hmm. it's more um, I'm sort of developing creativity more uh, as a habit. So it's less by chance now, I would say, and more intentional. And for that reason, I'd say now I've been starting a little bit like, oh, I, I'll know what chord progression I want. Or I'll, you know, I'll be able to sort of pull something from, from an instrument, which is kind of neat, or from a song key or a mode. Um, so it's a bit more, a bit more intentional and a bit more technical now. Nice. Thanks. Now that you are obviously heading into a career in music opposed to doing it, you know, as, as a hobby, has that, has it changed for you in any way? Like for, for me, inebriart was always kind of my side hustle in the past year. It's become a full-time thing. And I mean, there's always parts that I didn't enjoy, you know, sending emails and social media and blah, 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 the, the boring crap. And some days it, it kind of feels like a real chore but do you have those days where you're like, I don't want to have to record a video or, you know, I have to record the song again or like, like, (laughs) does it feel like work yet? Or I don't know if it feels like work yet. I definitely have those days where I'm definitely not. um, I've never been, I've never had a proclivity for social media. Mm -hmm. So I've, I, you know, it took me so long even to get like Facebook or Instagram. I've never, you know, again, the proclivity just has never been there. I was almost social media averse. It just felt like to me, at least being on the outside, I was like, oh, this just feels like the worst part of society, like very narcissistic. Um, 
and also just unhealthy, you know, yeah, for, for sure. Of, you know, especially teen girls with all the statistics that are mm -hmm. uh, coming out now. Um, but I mean, it's definitely a great tool to connect with people and to engage with people, especially I'd say during COVID, during the pandemic, um, because I, I don't think I could have released music without it. And just, you know, creating those connections, which is so important and just interacting with people, because I think that's ultimately what music is all about is just, you know, connecting with people emotionally. And when live shows, you know, really, I guess we're, we're there now, but you know, connecting with people emotionally in like a, in a nice safe space and uniting people. That's what it's all about. And so I think I've, I've seen now the positive side of social media too, but it, that's definitely a bit more um, of a chore for me, keeping up with social media and posting frequently. Um, so definitely like the, the marketing promotional side um, doesn't, doesn't come naturally for me, but I, but I love writing and I love, um, you know, making videos or coming up with, you know, conceptualizing the theme for a lyric video and making sure the aesthetics are all cohesive. I love that part. And so I think that that fuels me and keeps keeps me going. And that that part doesn't feel like work yet. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you say that the marketing isn't isn't your favorite, because I feel like a lot of artists in general are like that, where it's it's just it's not marketing is very much a hey look at me and the creative process really I mean, maybe some creative fields but generally speaking it's not it's very kind of like introverted and you're kind of like focusing inward so the hey look at me doesn't come natural for a lot of people it yes it definitely doesn't doesn't come naturally to me um so that that's been that's been a steep learning curve for sure for sure. But I, I'd say the two things I love most are writing and performing. And so, you know, and all the other stuff that you got to do, you just have to sort of grin and bear it because mm -hmm. that's what enables you to do what you love. Um, but yeah, it definitely, it's, it's, a, it's a little uncomfortable. I'm like, Oh, I don't like being like, look at me. It feels, feels uncomfy. <laughs> it feels like cheap, <laughs> you yes. know, like, yeah. Yes. Yes. And it's not really, I'm like, ultimately it's, it's really like not, it's not about me. It's just about, you know, it's more about like music being the vessel. And so just hoping that that resonates with people and that, you know, provides them with some form of cathartic experience for me. That's, that's really my, my priority. So less so about me as the artist, but more so about, you know, just what I'm creating and hoping that that lands um, with people. So you said you guys are uh, starting to have live performances again. We've, you know, we're Americans. That's our, our right. Damn it. And um, <laughs> it doesn't matter what you insert. It's just, we feel everything's our right. Um, so we've been having music performances for, for a while and some they've been outside and then indoors and then back outside. Like, is it just starting up again for you guys there? You know, I think, yes, now, of course, we have we have the new variants. So mm -hmm. things are always a little bit in flux, but they're definitely starting up again. And I'm excited. I'm excited to perform. I haven't you know, I haven't really performed my music live. So that's something that I'm really eager to do and really looking forward to, which is in part why I just released um I did like the studio live session because yep. you know we could do I was able to perform my songs live with with my band in a safe um 
a COVID safe setting. And so that's the closest thing that I've had to a real like live performance since COVID began. But I'm so looking forward to being in a shared space with people and to, you know, really connecting with the audience and because that's really what it's all about. So I'm I'm counting down the seconds for that. Yeah. That that session that you're referring to, was that live streamed or is it just kind of recorded live and then put on to YouTube? It was recorded live and then put on. But I, you know what? Now that you say that, that's a fantastic idea because a live stream one would have been super fun as well. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of musicians were doing it. Uh, we started doing it uh, about this. Yeah, about this time last year, we started. We called them the seller sessions because we recorded um I love or we live streamed them from uh, the craft beer cellar, which is a friend of mine's store. And so we just put the, we stuck the musician in the wine section. So their backdrop was all these wine bottles. And um, because all the local musicians, our town is a huge music scene, um, but they couldn't perform and it was their livelihood. So we live streamed it and put up, you know, like a Venmo so people could tip them. And so that's, that's brilliant. You know, I've, I've said it since day one, which is today, but the inebriated <laughs> don't do it right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's I, I kind of feel like we're we're I feel like all creative people are from the same uh cut from the same cloth, but like it seems like you really just want to have fun and enjoy what you're doing and at the same time use it in a positive light. And I, I, I feel like we're kind of the same way, like an EBR arts has two rules. One, it has to be included. It has to be inclusive. Everyone's welcome. I love that. And two, it has to be fun because otherwise, what's the point of us doing it? Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Inclusivity is so important. I also feel like music is just such such an accepting craft, if that makes sense. Where just everyone everyone could feel or see themselves in song and in melody. And so I just think it's it's this amazing tool to unite and to heal people too. And so that's definitely that's definitely part of part of I think why any creative, you know, ventures into into the arts. It's it's to essentially, you know, unite people, heal people and just create that space that's also fun. Cuz mm-hmm. again, we love fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fun. Huh. Um <laughs> But it, it's funny that, like you say, that music is kind of like inclusive. It's it, you know, when I was a kid, it was very much like, you know, you went into the record store and there was like four types of music, and if you like this type of music, you almost weren't allowed to like the other type <laughs> of music. You know, oh, you like country music, you're not allowed over here on the rock section, and um, so That's it. Cool. it Yes. Yeah. You know, so like if you like there was the people who liked rap and then there's the people who liked heavy metal and there was no crossover right up until like. I think it was like late 80s, early 90s, like Aerosmith and Run DMC did that kind of crossover song. But I don't feel like that exists anymore. Like it, it, it almost seems impossible to like put your thumb on what style of music anyone is. I feel like. Right now, especially, we're definitely, I mean, I feel like artists are venturing into different genres and different sonic, you know, landscapes and soundscapes. And, you know, the lines of genre are being blurred Mm -hmm. more and more. And especially, I mean, when I was growing up, I was influenced and, you know, my parents shared so their musical influences with me and that they were just so contrasting and different. And so 
I, I always had this, you know, I feel like, what am I trying to say? It was sort of like a mosaic of sound for me always where it wasn't just one thing. It was I, every genre that you could think of. You know, I, I loved musical theater. That was probably my first love. Um, but then my mom would introduce me to like Gladys Knight and the Pips and Fleetwood Mac. And my dad loved like blues and jazz and, you know, like the Stones and Kiss. And so I was, I, and then Bruno Mars, you know, Christina Aguilera, just there's so many different artists, um, so many different artists. And so I feel like my taste has always been a little bit more on the eclectic side. Yeah. Just because that's what I was introduced to growing up. I, I love that. And I always, I love finding kind of like getting into a new band or a new style of music. And then you realize like, oh man, there's like this whole branch that I never even thought of. It never even occurred to me. And you kind of like start going down that YouTube rabbit hole at like one in the morning. Just be like, I'm going to listen to one more video. I am so familiar with the YouTube rabbit hole, Andy. It's problematic. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a genre of music that you are interested in, like working into your like musical repertoire, but like you haven't yet, or you're not sure how, or, you know, I don't know if I've incorporated anything like metal (laughs) or probably not a lot of um, rap, but that's not to say that they're not, you know, that there's not incredible music in that. I just, you know, sonically, I don't think that they're necessarily reflective of me, at least where I am right now Mm -hmm. and my sort of um, like who I am as a person. I'd say when I was writing music earlier, um, so like the music that's on loose ends, that was really just like organic, um, like really just what came to me. And I think that it was more acoustical and, you know, really analog. And I think now moving forward, I definitely hear my writing changing a little bit more. And also, I, you know, I'm, I'm learning to produce more and more and just, I'm really delving into different sounds. Like, so I'm very cognizant now of like, Oh, what do I like from R and B? Oh, and what do I like? What do I like from rock or pop rock? And what, like, how can I pull from all of those different genres to create, um, you know, a sonic blend that I, that I love. And I think, I think that's coming um, through more and more. And I'd say like now, Whereas before I pulled a lot, let's say from pop rock and a little bit of folk and country, I'd say now I hear um, a bit more pop in my in my work. I definitely hear more musical theater. I tend to be a bit of a theatrical person. I'm not going to lie. My, dad, <laughs> my dad's nickname for me is Drama Bell. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that the theatrics are definitely coming through now in my productions and in my writing. And it's definitely more emblematic of who I am as a person, which is fun. And I think, you know, as I continue to write, you know, my sonic identity will become clearer and clearer as I sort of even discover myself more. Right. Yeah. Do you ever think about, you know, the ones that jump to mind are like Kiss and Iron Maiden. And I saw a crazy Billy Idol show, but with these like set pieces and big theatrical things, like, do you ever consider incorporating like that kind of thing into your stage performance? I'd love to. I'd love to, you know. I'm sure it's like, you know, Kiss is their theatrics are extremely expensive. So I'm not 
<laughs> yeah, you know, one day that would definitely be, um, you know, that would be sort of the, the dream and is having like this amazing live show that's almost almost like a musical theater performance, you know, with incredible set design and lighting design. And I mean, just utilizing every aspect um, of like every creative field to mm -hmm. just create the best um, live show experience. It's so interesting. Um, somebody I think who did that incredibly who I've seen live is, is actually Taylor Swift. She has, you know, she has the backup dancers and just incredible sets. And it really feels, it feels like, Oh, like this is like a, like it's so distinguishable. It's like, this is a Taylor Swift concert. Yeah. And it's amazing. And so I would definitely feel like I would veer towards that, that end of the spectrum. If I was ever um, so fortunate to put on a live show, that's so theatrical and so big, but then you have somebody I'm like, I'm interjecting myself here. That's, I'm, that's like, fine. I'm like, oh my God. Then I'm going to take a break. You do the, the rest of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> then you have someone like Bruno Mars who has mm -hmm. very, like basically like no set design, but his stage performance is outstanding because he, you know, he is um, such an incredible dancer mm -hmm. and, so and in, and so engaging too and so you know trying to just yeah i would just try and be the best performer i can be and have the most incredible um set design and theatrics all all the works for sure that would be the dream <laughs> yeah uh what is it that you're listening to now that's a great question uh, not to bring up Taylor Swift again, but I'm definitely no. I'm streaming red, you know, Taylor's version on repeat, the 10 minute version of all too well. It's going it's going strong in, yeah. in my household here. I'm definitely listening to um, Olivia Rodrigo. I'm always listening to Fleetwood Mac, you know, Stevie Nicks, Queen. Um, speak, I, I was referring to Stevie Nicks being a queen, but then I'm also like, I also listen to a also lot of queen. queen. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're so theatrical. So their music is outstanding as well. Um, always Gladys Knight in the Pips. Um, Elton John, Dua Lipa a lot. Harry Styles. I mean, I guess the list kind of goes on. Oh, the yeah. Beatles. I haven't seen their documentary. Oh, yet. I just started watching that. My parents started watching it and they say it's outstanding. So I, it's... I can't wait to watch. I it's cannot wait to watch. Really, I don't want to say weird. It's just not. It's so. I almost feel like I shouldn't be watching. Cause, really? Because it's so intimate. Yeah, because it's it's not. There's no like voiceover. There's no like real structure. It's them sitting and having their conversations, and them, you know, the, it. I'm only like an episode or two in, so I can't be like spoiling too much, but <laughs> like kind of discussing like some of the turmoil in the band and, you know, and it's just like, this is so I can, I can relate it this way is I don't feel too bad because they, they did it. They recorded on purpose. You know, it's not like someone was spying on them, but if you have a visual artist with a sketchbook, you, you never just take their sketchbook and start flipping through it. You always ask for permission. And sometimes they'll say no, and that's totally okay. And it's just, it feels like I'm flipping through like a Beatles 
sketchbook where like you can see the creative process and you can see how they work and you know kind of the stuff that really doesn't necessarily matter to the creative process that happens in it was really intimate is probably the best word for it but it, it was yeah it was not what I expected at all wow I you know I feel that especially like I feel like a band like the Beatles because you know they are experts at their crafts mm-hmm. and you put so much into ensuring that you're crafting the product, you know, the most quote, quote unquote, perfect product that you could create. And so sort of pulling, like you're really seeing behind the scenes here and you're seeing all that goes into um, the creation of their masterpieces. And so I completely understand what you're saying. It's sort of, I, I know what you're saying and it's so hard to verbalize, but it's like, you're, you it's know, al- it's almost like someone seeing, is getting ready to go out to a party and they want to look their best and you're watching them get dressed in their pajamas. Right. And you're watching them get dressed and it's just like, I don't know if I should be watching this. Yeah. Like I, I, I understand I'm cause I'm a complete perfectionist. So like, I, I wouldn't want to, you know, share any of my work that isn't like, oh, I'm, I'm proud of, I'm not proud of this quite yet. Yeah. But you know, it's definitely, I think what my parents were saying is like, if you're a songwriter, if you're an artist, it is so fascinating to see the process. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, completely. I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah. I'm in from, and that, and that's an interesting thing too, is like, I don't, I'm not an artist and I'm getting so much more into like content creation than actual um, drawing and painting. You are an inebriart. <laughs> yeah. That just means I drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it's like, I don't do any of it so I can go ta-da, it's done. I do it because I enjoy the process of it. You know, I, I enjoy the filming. I enjoy the editing. I enjoy the brainstorming new ideas for videos. And I enjoy the, you know, the, the practicing drawing more so than like a finished piece hanging up on the wall. Like to me, that's just like, I'm just going to nitpick it and not enjoy it, but I enjoy the process of doing it. Yes. Yes. You're, you're so right. I feel like I, I so relate to that. The second I feel I finish a song, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to, ready to start the next. Yeah. I don't ever need to hear that again. (laughs) That's done. But I think it's because I, the process is just, it's so fulfilling and it's so gratifying. Um, and so that's the part that really, you know, that's the part that's really like the fuel to the fire. When I was in art school, we had to have, instead of like having finals, you, you would go into a classroom and you'd basically hang all your artwork from that semester. And then a panel of teachers would come in and critique it. And it sucked a lot. Um, so- terrifying yeah but i found it really interesting and i I wonder if you have like the musical comparison that the teachers really geared in on this one that they really liked and i didn't in like i was just like eh, i wouldn't put that out i wouldn't look at it again but like other ones that they didn't even like i felt more attached to because like i felt it was a learning like oh i've never you know worked in oil paint before and i i learned so much working on that piece and no it's not perfect but the amount that I approved in that piece to me is more meaningful than that other stupid thing that you like. You know what? 
A hundred, a hundred percent. I would say all, honestly, all the teachers um, at Berkeley are so encouraging. And I think they're so thoughtful of the feedback that they share mm -hmm. because I, you know, especially in the arts and when you're, you know, in music, but in any creative arts, you're really sharing a piece of yourself mm -hmm. with others to basically critique. So I think they're always very mindful. They don't want to discourage anyone um, too much, but sometimes for sure they're like, you know, their favorite pieces that I've, that I've done are my least favorite. And I go, I wonder, I wonder why that's their favorite because I love this. And they'll say, well, you could have done this differently and that differently, but it's so interesting when they do give that feedback, I go, Oh, you know what? It seems so intuitive and it seems so obvious. I go, how come I didn't think of that? And then it, you know, it's, it's more that I could, their feedback I could add to sort of my inventory of knowledge. Yeah. And so I could, I go, okay, you know what? I'm going to apply that the next time. So sometimes even if it's my favorite, I go, Oh, it's what a great learning experience. And I, you know, I try and really relish those moments so that and apply it moving forward. And I feel like those are the best moments when you like something because then you see it from a different perspective when someone goes, well, maybe, you know, maybe you could have tried this chord here. You could have gone up here in your melody and that lyric and your cadence could have been different there. And I start to think about it, I go, oh, they're so right. And here I was thinking this was like my best piece of work. And yet there's so many different elements that I could have improved upon. And um, I got amazing learning experiences. And that's also, I think I also just, I love learning and I love I just, I love sort of developing and nurturing my craft. Mm -hmm. And so I completely understand, but I always, I'm always so nervous for any, um, you know, feedback from my teachers, especially because they're such experts at what they do. Um, and they're, they all have such established careers. And so I really, I value, I value their opinions and any critiques they might have for sure. Do you have that person in your life, either family or friends that you can kind of run stuff by and will not give you the, oh, it's great, but will give you like actual critique? hundred percent. My family, yeah, my dad, my mom, my sister, those are the three that they will be. And I should preface it because they are like the nicest people, especially my mom. My mom's opinion is like, I would say first and foremost, yeah. um, she's like, like probably like the nicest person ever, you know, and, but she, she has a way of being still very, very honest about um, anything. I say, like, what do you think? And she'll go, you know, it's this, but I think it could use a little bit of work or, and so if she doesn't like something or if, like, you know, if they don't like something, I usually nix it. I'm like, okay, they're right. You know what? I'll, uh, or I continue to work on it and until they like it. Like it will yeah. be one of the two. Cause sometimes I'm like, you know what? They're right. I don't think this concept or this melody is, is working. And I, I, I could, you know, feel confident about putting it to rest, but sometimes I'm like, no. And there was one instance when I was writing um, my album, I wrote this song called wild side and I heard all the parts in my head and I'm like, I, I, I loved it in my head. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily synthesize what I was hearing in my head such that they could hear it. So I sort of played them a very rough demo. And my mom's like, oh. and my sister's like, I don't think this is it, Annie. I'm so sorry. Like, I, I just, this is, this can't go on the record. And I was like, 
I got to see this. I got to see this one through. I felt it yeah. in my heart of hearts and I took it to the studio and I had, um, and Dominique developed it and, you know, fleshed it out the production. And then Kevin um, Shearer-Ward, who's also Celine Dion's guitarist, and he is outstanding. We call him OM, OMK for Oh My Kevin. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just said, like the song suggests, just go wild. Just yeah. do whatever you hear. I sort of gave... Um, a sonic examples i'm like like if it could if this is what your guitar could sound like that would be ideal but you know whatever riff you have in your mind you go for it because you are you know you're the professional mm -hmm. and he he just totally brought it to life and in this new direction and now it's one of my sister's favorite songs on the album nice. so i i felt like you know sometimes it's really important to just keep working at it and to really see it through and i was like if after if after all this you don't like it i will happily scratch it and i will say you know what maybe it's just it's just really not it and i'm just totally off base here but after they they both loved it and so i was like thank goodness i did it. and my dad my dad always kind of liked it it's probably more more rock yeah. in terms of you know my material so my and my dad's all about rock so he's like i liked it from day one <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it's it's that's like that process that's the process that i think you know creative people really enjoy the there's so many times where i started drawing and i get you know maybe five or ten minutes in i'm like ugh, i don't like it but then you just kind of keep working at it and after a while I'm like oh you know maybe maybe i pulled it together at the end there a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I'm more rewarding when you're able to work through all of the obstacles to get a final product that you go, you know what? I like this. That's all, that's all the more gratifying. So I completely understand that for sure. Yeah. If it comes out the first time, what's the point? You know, what's the point? It's all about <laughs> the struggle. <laughs> that's right. I have to be miserable or this isn't fun. <laughs> So uh, what do you have scheduled? Uh, are you going to tour? Are you going to, how are you pushing the new album? Uh, like what's the, what's the plan for 2022? Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. So the plan right now, tentatively, I would love to start performing live right now again with this new variant COVID COVID just puts um, touring live performances a little bit up in the air, but that's definitely um, definitely going to happen in the foreseeable future. It's definitely on the agenda. Um, definitely working um, loose ends a bit more in terms of, you know, promotion. And I, and I, and I love performing these songs in any capacity. So that's always fun. Um, but I'm also working on new material. And I think that we're going to be releasing some new, some new songs in 2022. Nice. Um, right now, I sort of I'm going in two very contrasting sonic directions. Both are theatrical, okay. but definitely pulling from a different um, sonic palette. One's a bit more pop, raw, maybe even a pinch of disco in there. Okay. And then the other are like not necessarily all ballads, but a lot of like strings and and not classical either. But it it has. It, it's t it has a kind of that you know your hearts will go on kind of thing yeah definitely a little bit yeah. of that a hundred percent and so more like adult i guess contemporary um music musical style and so we're deciding what direction to go in first but i think ultimately we're going to go a little bit in the pop direction i'm going to release some of those songs i have one that i'm particularly looking forward to and 
we're still um we're still working out the production of it because for some reason with this song I feel very precious about it because I just I love the the concept and I want to make sure every every element is exactly how I hear it and so but it's called retrograde and that's probably going to be um the first song that I'm going to release um in 2022 that's original so I'm I'm so excited about that one how do, how do you determine, especially when you're so precious about something when it's done? Like when, when do you like, okay, it's time for the baby to go and walk. Like, <laughs> bye, little birdie. You know, with, with this song, I haven't gotten to that point yet. We've gone through like four full different renditions of it. it it's, it's gone through, it's gone through the facelift. It's gone through the renovation. Um, sometimes I think, just at a point when I'm like, oh, I'm I'm happy with this. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I got to put it. I, I'm going to put it to rest and I'm just not going to look back because I feel especially like I could look back at, you know, a song I, I did two days ago and I'll go, oh, no. <laughs> I, I hear all the ways in which I could tweak it, especially even with songs I've released. Like, oh, I feel like I could have sung that better. Or, oh, I feel like that could have been improved upon. Oh, was that the right sound for, you know, you know, was that the right plug-in or was that the right MIDI instrument we used and i'll and i'll i could ponder and i could ruminate but so i my my thing is once it's once i can sit once i'm happy enough mm-hmm. in one moment i'm like that's i just gotta i gotta set it aside and i gotta walk away and that is that is a great challenge for me that is that's something that i definitely have to work on but so to answer your question because i understand I think I just went on a tangent there. That's what that's what our whole show is. <laughs> I was like, I think I just went on a convoluted tangent and didn't yeah. answer your question. So to answer your question, I don't know really when it's done. I think there's just some point where I go, I'm happy enough. Or I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm really, or I feel really happy and proud. And then I'll look back the next thing and go, what was I thinking? But I'm like, no, you felt that way in that moment. Consider it done. Yeah. I, I like that and it's got to be a little bit of an advantage being a music musician because you can always step back to whatever change you made you can always step it back but like being a visual artist if you're sculpting something or drawing something or painting something sometimes once you make that step too far you're like oh no nope too you far i i told i so i so get that because i'm not a visual artist but i used to i used to love I mean, painting and drawing mm-hmm. always, I always found it so therapeutic and relaxing, except when it, like I could, if it was just like a pencil drawing, I'm like, this is so great. Like you could erase anything. But when I, I used to take art lessons and I used to work with oil paints and everything felt so finite. Like the second, you know, once it's on the canvas, it's on the canvas yep. and you got to work with it. And so that was always, I, and of course you could paint over, but there's something about, you know, something about that medium that feels very like you can't really go back. Right. Um, because it, it, it's, that's really interesting. Cause sometimes if I'm teaching someone to draw, the first thing I do is I take away their eraser. Oh no. Because, I mean, well, the, because they get so precious kind of precious or, or more just like nope that line's not in the right spot and they, they they'll erase it no it's still not in the right spot and you erase it and you get so hung up on that and, you, and it, they kind of lose that like let's capture the whole thing and develop the whole picture at once opposed to like focusing on one line 
I so yes, hundred percent. I think that there's a malleability in in the creation process of music because it's so you know it's it's not a tangible tactile product it's it's mm -hmm. all you know at least to start it's also very digital you know you're on your computer and you're working out the arrangements and so in that time you can really get to a place where you go oh, i love this sound and that you know melody and you could go back and tweak it and you could i mean you especially working with like you know daws you know you could go in they're so what's the word I'm looking for? They're so dense. They're mm -hmm. so where you could go in and you could alter even the velocity of a sound and just the, the capabilities and the parameters that you could alter. It, it feels infinite. And so it feels like a very safe space where you could go, Oh, I could mess up or like a demo and you could re-sing it and get it until you feel confident with it. Whereas I feel like that, you know, that capability might not be there again with visual arts because it's a tactile product right so you know so i and and also you're dealing with a bit of a time constraint with with like if you're painting you know it's only wet for a certain period of time sure. yeah or same with clay like it's only it's only malleable for before it dries out too so there you know you you gotta you gotta work fast and it's i so challenging so my my hat's off to you <laughs> yeah, you, you just made me think of, because uh, you're talking about how dense these these programs are to work with and how many changes you can make. Uh, there was an artist, his name uh, is Phil Henson, and he developed, um, he, he was obsessed with kind of like pointillism, like images made of tiny dots, to the point where he um, gave himself nerve damage and he couldn't hold his hand still anymore. Oh my God. And so you know, he's like, Oh my God. And he's like, I used to have all these options and, you know, now he was starting to kind of do okay for himself. So he had all this money and he kind of fell into this creative lull where he's like, I just don't know what to do anymore. And he found by giving himself limitations and uh, to focus less on what he couldn't do. And, but we could do with this disability, like, you know, injury, whatever um, that limitations made him more creative instead of having every option possible. So he decided to, I think he was going to create a piece and he limited himself to spending $2. Wow. And so it became like a drawing on Starbucks cups because the Starbucks cups, he asked for like a handful of them and they gave them to him for free. And it, 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 it became this whole process where he got obsessed with like temporary art where he did like a, a portrait of Amy Winehouse in frozen wine. And oh so, my when it, gosh. so when it melted, it was gone. Yeah. And uh, he did a portrait of Jimi Hendrix in uh, matchsticks and then lit it on fire. Uh, yeah. I think I've heard of, I think I've heard of this. Yeah. His stuff is amazing. And he's really, I mean, really interesting. That, that sounds incredible. And I, I concur. I feel like, for sure, limitations can sometimes help you have a clearer vision in a weird way because mm -hmm. sometimes just a world of endless possibility makes you feel overwhelmed. Right. You're you're like you're looking at the end, but you're like, how am I how am I gonna do this? And there's just too many choices and too many decisions to make, and it's it it sort of paralyzes you. But when right. you have limitations, you're able to go, okay, this is what I let me, you know, make the best product I can make with 
just these resources. And I think, I mean, that's like an amazing example, incredible example, though. I'm sorry to hear about his nerve damage. That sounds terrifying. Um, but it could definitely- I mean, he made it work. <laughs> made it work. So yeah. brought out, look, it brought out the best in him. And I'm sure a lot of artists um, feel similarly, for sure. Yeah. So where can our listeners go to find you online? So you said you're not a big social media person, but it sounds like you're there now. <laughs> I am there. They can find me um, on all in all the places, on all the platforms. On all the things. Um, on all the things. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. Again, I'm there. My handle is at Annabelle Guthers, A-N-N-A-B-E-L-G-U-T-H-E-R-Z. I'm on Spotify, I'm on Apple Music, all the DSPs. Again, you name it. Well, and I'm, An- and I'm there. Annabelle, thank, thank you so much for coming on. This was oh. an absolute pleasure. Andy, thank you so much for having me. This was this was too much fun. Yeah, Honestly, you're, you're amazing. Your energy is like I hope it comes through to our listeners because you are such a positive person. It's amazing. Um, oh, thank you so much. But thank I want to say thank you. Yeah. Round of applause to you, Andy. This was <laughs> I had a blast here. Oh my goodness. And I want to say thank you. Thank you to our listeners, but I want to say one thing in closing, Annabelle. Yeah. Go Bruins. And thanks for checking out the show today, listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed the content today, you can go over to patreon.com slash to support the show. You can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out. You can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns, or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, Old Colony Cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.